How is everyone? Good. All right. My uh, second time ever in Watertown. So I've seen the Pizza Hut twice now, coincidentally. Uh, Jared said, my name is Steven. I'm from Madison. Haven't lived there uh, very long, only three years. And what brought us there, uh, my family and I, was to start a church in that city. Uh, we absolutely, sometimes people here were from Madison, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm, I love Madison. I'm honestly, the food is great. The culture is great. Uh, every, you know, anytime something politically goes down, uh, there's like 10,000 people downtown, you know, protesting. And we think that's just like a fun part of our city. And uh, we avoid going downtown whenever something like that happens. Uh, but, um, you know, part of why I particularly enjoy talking about generosity is because of the way it's transformed my family and my life. I mean, part of it, it was so transformational for us that I just have to share. You see, uh, Jared had mentioned something, uh, you know, that, hey, like we're having trouble paying the bills. And that's what happens when we're not generous. But more importantly than that, and I know this is his heart too, is that when we begin following God, it should literally change every part of our lives, right? I mean, like every part of our lives, we should experience transformation from the inside out. That no part of our life should be untouched by this move of the Spirit of God in our lives. But so often we're willing to give God every part of our life except that one part, except that very tangible part of our lives. Well, I understand that. When my wife and I got married, we had uh, two cars. So we had two car payments because we both had loans on our card. We uh, paid for our wedding using a loan and a credit card. I bought her ring on a credit card. We had student loan debt. I mean, we were just uh, through the roof. It was bad. It was really bad. And then I had unexpectedly lost my job. Have you guys ever been there? Like, when it can't get worse, it gets worse. And, like, I was trying to be faithful, like, trying to be faithful to God, but I lost my job. My wife and I were living on $1,000 a month income, which uh, that's not a lot. Like, no matter where you live, that's not a lot of money. We were in southwest Missouri at the time. $1,000 a month, half that money went to our rent, and uh, we had all of this debt. And uh, I thought at the time, like, it would be poor of us to give. I mean, right? I mean, you're trying to be fiscally responsible, pay off debt, create margin in your life, maybe invest in the future for a rainy day. So God would totally understand why we wouldn't give. That was my reasoning. That was my logic. I felt like God is a reasonable God, that he understood, that he was compassionate, that he had my back on that. And uh, my wife and I, we would do this little game And if you've ever been here, I'm sorry. And if you are here, I'm really sorry. But my wife and I, we have been here. Where it's like you're picking and choosing which bills to pay based on what the late fee is. You're like, hey, uh, okay, we're not going to pay this one because that's only a $10 late fee. But this one has a $35 late fee, so we're going to pay this. And for months and months and months, that was the way we lived. It was bad. I mean, first year of marriage, that's hard, right? But then when you're always fighting about money and you never ever get to do anything, as a matter of fact, this is true, that my father-in-law would send us some gas money. That was kind of like his little bit of a contribution to help us throughout the month. We would only fill one of the cars up like halfway because we knew we could get by on half a tank of gas. We'd use the other money to buy a $5 hot and ready pizza at Little Caesars, get a movie at the Red Box, and that was our date night for like the month. 
I know, it was hot, right? And uh, now you can't even get a Little Caesars pizza for five bucks. It's like six or seven bucks. And, and so I don't even know if we could do that today. And that was the way we were living over and over and over again. And it was terrible. And I just remember thinking like, God, don't you love me? God, why does my situation just seem to be getting worse? God, I've got less hope today than I had six months ago. God, I've got less faith today than I had six months ago. God, I feel more animosity toward you today than I did six months ago. I would read in the New Testament, Jesus would say something like, don't worry about the clothes on your back or the shelter that you live in. God cares about the birds and the animals. Won't he care about you? And I'm like, you're doing a poor job of showing it. Somebody tried breaking into our house when we lived there. I was like, God, like, what is sacred? And I felt like God had said, you're not faithful. You're a poor investment on my kingdom. You can't even manage the little bit I've given you. Why would I ever give you more? I began to feel conviction, okay? It wasn't guilt. It wasn't shame. I had felt conviction. You guys know the difference, right? It's when God is working, you're like, oh, man, what should I do? And I felt God had told me if I began to honor him in my finances, he would begin to honor me with his blessing. That the same God who in the Old Testament says, I have cattle on a thousand hill. And I'm like, I don't, I'm from Madison. What is that? I mean, things like red skies and cattle on a thousand hill. I'm like, I don't know what these things are. But I read about it, and God surely seemed good. And I remember being so broken, right? Okay, hear this. I remember being so broken that I remember coming to terms with this. And I said, God, here's the deal. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to give to you. And then, in a month, when we're homeless, it'll be your fault for not being faithful. Okay, that was my prayer. I was just like, I am just so tired of living the way that we are living that I would rather give to you and then be able to blame you that I'm living out a refrigerator box on some corner somewhere than continue to take on this responsibility for myself. And uh, to shorten this story up, we began tithing super faithfully, super legalistically, And a year later, we had paid off two credit cards, two loans, two cars. We had no debt except student loans. And uh, I had gotten the best job I'd ever had at that point. As a matter of fact, that job, um, which was a little grocery store that just opened up in Springfield, allowed me to transfer to Madison, where I became the Starbucks manager, which funded our ministry for two years. Now, how many know God is faithful, right? Okay? We say that. We say God is faithful. We believe it. But then we don't always practice it with the area that's most sacred to us, which is our finances. In Acts 20.35, Luke writes, he says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now on paper, we're okay with that. Yeah, sure, it's okay. But let's, like, let's honestly think about that. Yeah, it's still a blessing to receive. I'm not saying that. I mean, how many of us, we love to receive, right? That's okay. We love to receive. What I'm saying is that, and what, not just what I'm saying, but what Jesus is saying is that it is actually better to give away. Now, let's just, let's talk about this for a second. Guys, men in the room, how many of you would say, on that Black Friday, when you got that 55-inch flat screen, LCD, LED, 
TV, and you got it in the car, and it was like 75% off. How many of you would say you wept the whole way home? You were just so overcome with emotion that you just got this TV and it was going to change your life. And, and praise God, hallelujah, as your mom drove you home to your basement apartment, you know. No, none of you. And if you did, you wouldn't admit it in this room. You would say, no, that's not me. Okay, so there's the guys. Let me, ladies, how many of you would say that your destiny was forever changed when you got your first coach purse? Or, you know, whatever Michael Kors or whatever popular brand of that $300 handbag. I don't get that. But how many of you ladies would say that you saw the clouds open up and you heard the angels singing from heaven God's praises because you got this new purse? Say, no, probably not. I can remember I was in eighth grade. And when I was in eighth grade, like Michael Jordan had these shoes. I mean, they're still cool. But man, when I was in eighth grade, they were really cool. And I remember putting my feet in those shoes for the first time. I felt so spiritual. I could have walked on water in those shoes. I like filled the bathtub up and I'm staring at it thinking, I can do this. So we receive and we know that it's good. We like those things. Well, we, none of us would say that they would change our lives. But how many of you in the room can remember giving to someone who was in need. And that led you to an emotional experience when God used you to change someone else's life. How many of you, somebody has stood at the front of this room with a dream to go make a kingdom impact somewhere else in the world and it got you excited and you gave to that. How many of you can remember that but you don't remember when you got your TV or when you got that handbag or when you got those handbags or if you're like my wife and you got like 50 pairs of shoes and I've got one. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, we can remember. So when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive, it's not hard. When we actually begin to think about it, that, yeah, Jesus is right. It's true. It is better. Again, it's not about budgets. It's not about buildings. But it's about the transformation that God is doing in your life, showing up in every area of your life. If God has really transformed you, there should be no rock unturned in your life. Now, I know we're all sinful, fallen people who contribute to the brokenness of the world. I get that. And so none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfectly generous. But man, to avoid it, to ignore it, to never ever talk about it is just wrong. And then I go back to those words where I think, where God said he wouldn't, I really felt like God said he wouldn't give to me because it was a poor investment. Because the God who owned everything said, uh, you're not worth it, man. Because you can't even manage a household of a thousand. Why would I give you more? When you give, it impacts someone else's life. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I just mentioned that when you give to like missionaries or you give to someone starting a church or you give to somebody who's coming up short and needs groceries or they're about to turn their power off and you do that. And, and Paul says this results in the thanksgiving of God. So let's flip that. Okay, because sometimes we can hear one thing said, but when we look at the opposite of it, it helps us understand it better. If we are not generous, that will lead to people not thanking God. So we come here on Sunday mornings and we're like, oh, praise God, and that's great. 
And we get all excited about worship and we put our hands up. But if we are not giving Monday then through Saturday, we are contributing to people not praising God. That's what Paul is saying. He says, if you give, that results in people thanking God. So therefore, if you don't give, people will not thank God. Before he said that, he said, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You already have what it takes to be generous today. That's what Paul is saying. That is in your New Testament. Okay? He's saying, you have already been given what you need to be generous. And I get that that might be hard to believe this morning as you've already written checks for your utility bill and you've had to use the AC a little bit this summer, right? Okay, it's been a little hot lately. As you send off a credit card payment, as you set off a loan payment, you pay your rent. I get it. You're like, how in the world can I be generous? I don't, this isn't, I don't see that. But Paul is saying it's already there. So then what the challenge for you and I to do is to look at our budgets and say, where can I create margin to be faithful? And what areas can I give up so that I can be faithful? Because according to the New Testament, according to Paul here, I already have what I need to be generous. My wife and I, we gave up cable. We said, we don't need that anymore. We went and we bought an antenna. And so we live off the antenna. We don't pay for cable anymore. We're down to one car. We're a one-car family. We made that intentional choice. We only want one car insurance. We only want to put gas in one car. And then we've had to be very strategic with our schedules to make sure that we can all get to work and do what we want to do. But that's what we began to do. We began to look at our budget and say, where do I need to create margin? We had a woman in our church. Her dad bought her a car when she was 16. She loved this car. It was brand new when she got a little RAV4. Um, Again, in Madison, I'm like, who cares? But apparently out and, you know... The country in Minnesota, the Rob 4 is like the car. I don't know. But she sold that car a year and a half ago. I mean, she's 26 now. Ten years later, she sold that car because that car wouldn't allow her to tithe to our church. I didn't put her up to that. I just want you guys to know. I wasn't like, you should sell your car so you can. Nope. Didn't even, I didn't even give this message at that point. But she had felt like God had told her, you need to create margin in your life. And when she looked at her budget, it was like, I need to get rid of this car that I love so much so that I can be faithful to the kingdom. She did that, and less than a year later, her husband was promoted to manage, like, our largest grocery store on the west side. He manages the whole produce department, got a huge raise out of the deal. They just had a healthy beautiful baby girl also around the same time and they're thrilled they're like man look at how god has blessed our family and they go back to that moment in which they made a decision to create margin in their budget so why don't we give more why do we get freaked out Uh, jared had some great words I, i think that a lot of us do struggle okay none of us in the room would say i've got so much money that what should we do with it well, I don't know, honey. What do you think we should do? Ah, we should give it to the church. Like, none of us are having those conversations. As a matter of fact, the people in the room who do give, it's not because they have so much money they didn't know what to do with it. The reason the people in the room who do give, give because they make a conscious choice. They make a conscious effort to say yes to this and no to that. We have seen this message abused, right? I said I moved from cable to antenna. I can't tell you how many of the 22 channels that I have that are like preachers who will like send me something for $1,000. And I'm like, that's super weird. Also, $1,000, like that seems really random to me. Like, did, is this like in the Apocrypha or something? Like some extra Bible writings that I don't know about? Like there's something magic about $1,000. And I see that and I'm like, I get it. We have seen it 
abused, where it's like you'll be healed and then someone isn't healed, and then what do you do? So I get that we don't want to talk about it, but here's the thing. I don't believe that we retreat. You see, I believe that as Christians, you are a culture maker. So when we see somebody abusing the truth, we don't put our fingers in our ears and say, well, we're just never going to talk about giving because they've hijacked the message. We say, no, we're going to take it back. We fight. We're going to storm the gates of hell with our squirt guns, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to take that message back. So no, they're wrong. Okay, they're wrong when they say, send me $1,000 and I'll send you a, you know, a rag I've prayed over. Okay, look, Jared can pray for you for free. Okay, it works just as good, I promise. Okay, he'd enjoy the $1,000, but you don't have to give it to him. Okay, that's the point. But we got to get the message back that it's not health and wealth. It's not if you pay $100 to the church, you're going to get $1,000 next month. It's that I'm going to faithfully give to God because God has told me to be obedient with my finances as well as every area of my life. And I'm going to have the expectancy that God is going to bless me, honor me, be faithful to me. So that who knows, maybe in a year your husband does get promoted or you get promoted to that new job with the 50% salary increase. Or you have a healthy baby and you're like, just praise God that you can't buy health, right? You can get medicine, we can respond to things, we can help things, but that the Lord of the universe works in those ways that we can't when we're faithful. I think the other reason we don't give is because we have a scarcity mindset. We think, oh, if I give, I'm going to have less, which, sure, maybe that's how the earth sees things. Maybe that's how our lives, that's, that's how society sees it, right? But the kingdom of God is so upside down that when you give, you actually get more. Okay, you actually get more. God didn't say like, oh man, when you become a Christian, like, oh man, you're not, you're not going to have anything. Sure, there are things about carrying your cross and making sacrifices and surrendering. I get all of that. But he doesn't want you to have a scarcity mindset. He wants you to dream big dreams. He wants to do big things. That's why he died on a cross. If you don't believe that God has big dreams, you've got to question, why, why in the world did Jesus come then and die for you and me? It's because he's got a dream for you. In Proverbs 11, it says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Hey, I know people who've got twice as much money than I do, and they're not nearly as happy as I am, okay? And and they're always saying how they don't have enough money. Let me tell you, I've seen people climb the corporate ladder People are very close to me, okay? Climb the corporate ladder. It's always one more raise, one more promotion. And if that's you right now, where you're just like, well, the next raise, I'll start giving. The next promotion, no, you won't. That's a cute thought. It's cute. But look, if I became, if I had $10 million tomorrow, I'd probably buy some houses, probably buy some boats, probably buy some cars, and I'll have spent that $10 million, right? Because my lifestyle has increased. Same when you have most of the world lives on $2 a day or less. And then they think about the way you and I live. And they're like, boy, if I just had that money, I could just buy a house with a yard and a fence and plumbing in the house. Wouldn't that be great? Because when you have more money, your perspective on how you live changes. Okay, people in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, he lives a lot differently than I do. Okay, guarantee. Now, I don't blame him or fault him for that guy to throw football better than anybody. So good for you. But I'm saying that if you think that if I just get a little bit more, that things are going to change, that's not true. 
As a matter of fact, it's easier to give away $10 on a $100 income than it would be to give away $100,000 on a million, in, a million dollar income, right? You following? So if you can't get it now, it's not going to get easier later when you have to give more. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I know people who live on a single income in Madison where our rent is like $1,500 a month for our little two-bedroom apartments. And I know people who are living paycheck to paycheck who have so much joy. They tithe so faithfully. It's a supernatural peace that they've gotten because of that. So that's why I can say without any reservation, I don't, like, hey, I'm walking away from this, like, if you guys give, don't give, like, honestly has no impact on my life whatsoever, okay? It probably impacts Jared's a little bit and the community around you, but it doesn't impact me. So I can stand up here guilt-free and say giving is good. It's transformed my life. In my community, I've seen it transform people's lives. So I just want to tell you, like, transparently, whether you do or don't, it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form, but I've got this message I really believe can transform your life. And so, um, look, we need to grow in our generosity. And I've got three steps for you, um, just to make it easy, just three, but it's, it's kind of like a pathway here on how we're going to do that, okay? So the first one is that we've got to trust God with the tithe, okay? The tithe, this is going to be really deep spiritual stuff, okay? The Hebrew word for tithe means one-tenth. Again, I know that's really deep, it's profound, it's like, I'm so glad I'm here so I can explain the Hebrew to you, um, but it means literally one-tenth. In Malachi 3.10, God is addressing a bunch of issues, these people, uh, this church there, and he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which would have been their temple or church, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. A lot of things going on in this passage. He says, take your tithe. Take one-tenth of what you have. Now, that might not have been gold coins, okay, back then, because currency was a little bit more fluid than it is today, but it might have been cattle, it might have been grain, it might have been those precious metals. Great, but he says, bring it into the storehouse. He actually gives a reason, okay? And depending on what, like, translation you're reading, it may be a little different, but notice that he says, that there may be food in my house, What he is saying is bring your tithe to the church so that the church will have what it needs when it needs it. So when somebody comes to Jared or the elders of the church and they're like, hey, they're going to shut my power off. Jared doesn't have to say, "Mm, sorry, we just don't have it this week. Come back in seven days. You know, after all the food in your fridge is rotten and not good anymore. And now you have two problems because now you not only need the utilities, but now we need to buy you groceries. God is saying, hey, I want the church to have everything it needs exactly when it needs it. And if that's not the way that this church, that this body of believers, that this family on mission together in Watertown operates, then we're doing something wrong. We're not living to the potential that God has for this community. We're operating somewhere down here, and God says, there's so much more. We don't want anyone in this community. This isn't health or wealth. You can read this yourself, but he says, I don't want any of you to be suffering. Let's make sure that people in this church have their needs met. And the way that we do that is through generosity, okay? I'm going to worship God with my first. I'm going to worship God with my best, and I'm going to trust him to bless the rest. We're going to surrender every area of our lives. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, man, if I do what you're telling me to do, I'm going to have to rearrange my whole life. 
I'm going to have to rearrange my whole budget. And you're, i got to do that and rearrange it all around God? Well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying this morning. I think that that's what Jesus would say too, that we should rearrange every area of our life. And we're like, man, but that's going to hurt. And then all of a sudden, passages about carrying the cross, well, now it makes a little bit more sense. And now we feel it a little bit more, right? These things become a little bit more real to us. Let's trust God with that. Okay, the second thing, let's plan our generosity. My little son, he's in the nursery, probably um, killing your nursery worker right now. Uh, he's a screamer. We don't Since day one, he screams when he cries. Um, but we will go around, right? Hey, you have kids. You know how expensive socks are? Like, how ridiculous are a pair of new socks for babies? I can get six pairs, okay, 12 little itty-bitty socks for like $8.50. And the thing about it is, like, my son systematically ditches these things in, like, the grocery store, the department store, the mall. We come home, we're like, where did your socks go? And we were watching you, so like, how did you just throw them and get rid of them? And, and so it's like every three months, we're back at Target. And so we plan for the good deals, right? We're like, hey, we see socks are on sale. We're going to go get them. We see that little baby's clothes are percentage off at Target, 25% off. We go, we buy a pair of socks and we hide them. And we're like, hey, when he runs out of socks, we're going to get Now, how many of you cut coupons? You know, you go on Facebook, you look for good ads, right? We all do this. We all plan on how to save money. What if we began, you can see where I'm going with this. What if we began to plan to be generous, What if we sat down and we came up with a strategic way in which I'm going to be generous? Isaiah writes, says, generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Hey, if you're generous, you're going to plan to do generous things, okay? It's not just going to happen. You're going to plan. You're going to be intentional. And here's this thing I love about this passage. You've got to catch the second part, okay? You, anytime you're reading the Bible, here, this is an extra for you this morning. I'm going to wrap this up because I know I'm running late here. Okay? Anytime someone writes something in the Bible, ask, why did they write that? Be critical. Why did they write that? Isaiah says, generous people plan to do gen- What is generous? All right. Why did he write that? Because he knew that if we didn't plan to be generous, we wouldn't be generous because our natural inclination is to be selfish. I don't know about you. My natural inclination is to think about me first, right? And so... The second part of this, though, is he says they stand firm in their generosity. How many of you know it's easy to give one time? Okay? It's easy. It's hard. It's hard. But it's easy. But in two weeks or in two months, when that unexpected bill comes in the mail, when that unexpected boiler breaks, when, when these unexpected things happen, it's real easy for us to change the plan. It's real easy for us to say, oh, can't give anymore. Isaiah say, no, 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 no. They stand firm in their generosity. They stand faithful. They stand honoring God. That's what they do. The third thing is that we've got to start being generous now. Okay, I've, I've, I've talked about that the whole time, but I just want to state it. Uh, in Philemon 1.6 here, he says, Paul writes, And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. It goes back to this first idea. It's not about bigger buildings. It's not about nicer whatevers. It's all about Christ changing us from the inside out. And if Christ has really changed me from the inside out, it probably should impact my wallet 
in my checking account. It should make me question the things that I'm buying or my intentionality with these things. I know that my wife got a new, better job at the beginning of the summer. We were so excited. And the first thing we did, we were like, hey, we need to increase the amount that we're giving to our church because you make more money now and we need to stay faithful in this. And it was a thanksgiving to God. In that first moment, it wasn't, think about all the things we can buy, but it was that God has honored us. God has been faithful to us. We have been grinding it out in Madison, and it's been tough sometimes, and it's been dark. But God was faithful, and he gave us this job. And as a matter, when I say God gave us this job, I'm not over-spiritualizing this. Okay? My wife has applied for over like 100 teaching jobs in Dane County. Didn't get a call for an interview at all last year. This spring, somebody emailed her and was like, hey, can you teach this summer for us? Okay, Tell me that's not God. Okay, How would they even have heard about her? And so the first thing we did is say we need to increase our generosity. Why? Because that was how we thanked Christ for what he did, for his faithfulness to us. That was the first thing that we did. When we begin to do this, our lives begin to change. and Our community gets to do some really awesome things. I want to tell you what this has done at our church. I think a lot of you care about your church and care about this family. I really do. Um, at the beginning of this year, um, our monthly budget was uh, like at 3000 a month, okay? It was at 3000 And I'm just getting real with you here. This isn't in my notes at all. And um, it was at 3000 And uh, that was for our rent. That was for my salary. Any ministries we do, we're faithful to missions, 10% every time, okay? And I just said, hey, if, if we're going to reach Madison, like, we got to do better, guys. Like, we, and it's not about a bigger budget. It's just we got to be better disciples, and it should affect our income, since January, our budget has now more than doubled because of the faithfulness of the people in our community. So it's more than doubled. We're now dealing with $7,000 a month. Let me tell you what that's been able to do. We started a new move-in mailer program in our city. So if you move to Madison, you're going to get two pieces of mail from us. We now get like 10 or 12 new people in our church every week. Our church is your size. So just imagine your church with 10 people new in Watertown every week coming in here. Why is that good? It's not just about church attendance. I don't care about that. It's about people hearing the message that Jesus loves them enough to come to earth, to die on a cross, so that they can be a part of this kingdom, so that the world can suck a little less, right? Can I say that here? Okay. Okay. So that the world can suck a little less, right? Okay. And we've been able to do that. We've been able to increase the amount we give to every single missionary. Honest to God truth, I've at least doubled Everything we give to our current missionaries, we were able to double the amount of missionaries we support. So at the beginning of the year, we started with five missionaries. Now we have 10 or 12, I think. We've doubled what we give to them. Our kingdom impact is twice as big as it was six months ago. We're changing the world in Asia and in Africa and in Europe and all over the place because our people said, you're right. If Jesus is going to transform me from the inside out, then I need to be faithful in my generosity. Because of that, we're able to now, we're having serious conversations about starting a downtown campus in Madison. Do you know, you may not know this, okay, we'll be the only church in city limits with two campuses. I mean, a, church, a, a city of almost 500,000 people in the metropolitan area will be the only one with two campuses in the city limits. And that's because, all because of the generosity. I mean, we've baptized Half of our church. So if you come on a normal Sunday, 50% of the people were baptized. That's changed lives. When you give, it's not about buildings. 
It's about changing people's lives, the people in front of you, the people behind you, the people next to you. It's about when they need a utility bill or when they need groceries. It's about having the money there. And I know that I've talked about money, and I know if it's your first time, this is a weird Sunday for you to be here. I'm sorry. Uh, Come back next week. Give these guys a couple more weeks before you just decide, I'm never coming back. Like, Like Jared admitted, he's like, I haven't talked about this ever, okay? So if it's your first time, it'll probably be a couple years, right, before you have me come back and do this again. But no. Look, I really believe it, honest to God. It transformed my family. We have so much health and happiness in my family, and it's not because we make a ton of money. Uh, It's because God has given us a peace. He's given us a joy that despite our circumstances, despite anything, because we live this way. And so I would just encourage you guys to do the same. Honestly, look at it. Try it. Uh, You can do it. Try it for like 10 weeks. Try it for three months. You guys have online giving now set up, something reoccurring, you got that maybe? Yeah, set up the reoccurring and just say, hey, for better or worse, I'm going to try it. And if it hurts, I'm just going to get on my knees and pray a little bit more and see how God, remember, the Bible says you can't test God, but in that Malachi passage we read, it says you can test him. It's the only time in the Bible it tells you you can test God, it has to do with your finances, because God knows this is painful, it hurts. Because when we say yes to God, we've got to say no to something else. He'll reward you, okay? That's not health and wealth. That's just biblical truth that he will be faithful, okay? You guys pray with me. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for, for this family, the, this church here in Watertown. And I know their heart is to see people in this city have what they need, have their basic needs met, find you, have their lives forever changed because of your love, because of your goodness. And, and we know that generosity plays such a big part in that. Because, yeah, sure, it it pays the rent and it keeps the lights on and it helps us train. But that, God, the fruit of those things is not having the lights on for the sake of having the lights on, but that the fruit of those things that people come and they hear a message of transformation, that your spirit works in these places to transform lives, that will transform lives, that will transform lives, not just in Watertown, but in Madison and in Wisconsin and in the United States and the world. God, I just pray for any of us who have doubts or fears, I pray for the boldness that only comes through the power of your Holy Spirit. Right now, all over this place, I just pray that your presence would begin to fill people with a power and a boldness and encouragement that you will be faithful, that they don't have to question your faithfulness, that you are good, that you will be faithful. I pray against shame and guilt. Shame and guilt come from our enemy. Shame and guilt come from the, from the pits of hell. And God, right now, I pray against shame and guilt. I pray that we would feel a healthy conviction, knowing that we are forgiven by you, knowing that your grace covers us, knowing that you want to do a new thing in our lives. And so I just pray that we would, be do, we would do this. And I, I would ask that if anyone at the end of the month or at the end of the couple months of, of giving, that God, you would show yourself abundantly faithful. Pour out heaven. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.